Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. Of course, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, it's always time for hockey, and it's always time for Labatt Blue. You know, Labatt Blue is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Enjoy it, but we ask to always drink responsibly. And uh, let's get right into episode 105, and we have a very special guest. It's Mano Rayom. First woman to you know play in the NHL. First woman to ever play any North American professional sport. Uh, she is the manager of the Little Caesars Girls program and also coaches the U12 team and the Junior Red Wings. So, Manel, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And I've been looking forward to this for, I guess, 20 years or something. <laughs> uh, I want to go back. You know, I figured, okay, you had a brother, Pascal, who played in the, uh, in the NHL, and I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe you wanted to emulate your brother, but you're older than your brother, so how did it, where did hockey all fit into this, and why did you decide, hey, this is what I really want to do with my life? I had two brothers that played hockey, and my father was a coach, so every day I was at the rink to either go see my father coach, and my brother played. And when we were coming home, I thought my brother was nice to me and wanted to play with me, but truly they were using me, so they put gear on me and they, I was a target for them. So we were playing in our uh, backyard rink and they were shooting pucks at me to get better. And um, I remember my dad, uh, because my youngest brother was playing on a team that was just a player, they didn't have a specific goalie, but they signed up for a tournament, so they had to, they were kind of changing the goalie every uh, practice or every game and nobody wanted to play goalie for the tournament so my dad had that conversation at dinner with my mom and we were all sitting at a table and I said why not me I do it for my brother here all the time and uh, both my mom and dad look at me like no other girls are playing hockey um, at the rink so I don't think it's going to be possible but they thought about it and uh, my dad said why not and that's how I started. Uh you know, it's so odd. I've talked to a lot of goalies over the years, and a lot of them become goalies because they had brothers or siblings who needed someone to, to practice <laughs> with. And it sounds that that's exactly your story, too. Did you take to it right away? Did you just want to be part of what your brothers were doing? or, or uh, I, I mean, because, you know, let's face it, it's not an easy position, and you're having people fire pucks at you. It was not an easy position, but I was doing it every day for my brothers. So that was my way to uh, have someone I want to play with me. Uh, they didn't like the fact that I like to play um, house and I like to play um, being a teacher and being in school. So the only way I could play with my brother is be on the ice and, uh, and receive pucks. So for me, it was just a natural thing to do uh, when I decided to start playing on a real team. When did it click in, though? I mean, when did you figure, wow, you know, I'm pretty good at this you know I just I just play because I enjoy it and uh, I remember um, I started playing on that team and I was only goalie there and one dad one day said oh my son play uh, outside as a goalie too and I think he should try to play goalie almost like jealous to see that the girls was playing and playing well so my dad said you know no problem if he wants to play the next game um, he can play and I remember the next game, my dad said, you're going to play out instead of play goalie. And I was disappointed. And it's like, why? I've been the goalie. My dad said, trust me on this. Let's just 
things happened, and sure enough, the other goalie couldn't even stop the puck, and we lost like 13 to three. And I had one goal playing forward, and um, after that game, the parents were all requesting me as a goalie. So I think my dad was smart enough to always make sure that um, I was earning my way. And uh, when someone was asking to take my spot, I said, go ahead, try it. And when it was not working, I was getting my spot back. It sounds that the hockey community and the parents and the players on the team were all fine that you were a girl playing essentially with a bunch of boys. Uh, it was, was, it, was it tough for you or because you had brothers perhaps who were, hey, that's my sister, watch yourself. Uh, how was that for you, that transition? I, I don't think that everybody was fine. I think that every time I compete against another goalie, it was difficult for the parents of the other goalie. Um, I had coaches that didn't want a girl on the team. I know my, one of the reasons I think I had so much success is my dad never tried to protect me when I was uh, young. Uh, I wanted to go try out for the highest level, the double A level, and coaches was telling my dad, oh, we're not going to take her, so don't even bring her to tryouts. And my dad said she wants to tryouts. And I used to go, and he didn't tell me that the coach didn't want me. And I was going to try out, and I was getting caught. And even if I was performing well, and but I was coming back home and go in the basement and ask my dad to shoot more pucks and go outside and play with my brothers to just make myself better and asking my parents to sign me up to hockey school. And I did that for four years in a row. And it's not until I was Bantam that a coach said, I'm going to take the best goalie. And not only I make the team, but I play a lot of the big game that year. And truthfully, um, if it was not for my dad um, letting me fail and letting me being like rejected from the double level uh, I don't know if I would have been able to go through everything I went through and make it to the level that I made it did you did you ever think were there options for you to play with girls to play on girls teams or were we in that phase still back then where you know, if, if, if girls, pardon me, ladies out there, but if they weren't doing like swimming or synchronized swimming or tennis or something that, you know, had at least some history of having, you know, female athletes in high profile, uh, did you have that opportunity? Did you ever think, wow, this just isn't worth it? I mean, I'm being, for lack of a better term here, discriminated against because of my, uh, because I'm a girl. Uh, were there options to play with girls? Actually, um when I played minor hockey, I was the only girl playing. I never mm -hmm. saw other girls in Quebec playing. Um, but then I went up, and uh, after playing two years of Bantam AA, which was the highest level in Quebec, um, every goaltender from the Bantam AA was invited to the Midget AAA, which is the next level prior major junior. And uh, I was the only one not invited. So I kind of realized then that you know, I, my chance to make it higher was kind of done. Um, then after that, uh, you try to make a double-A team, but because you didn't go to the midget triple-A team, they kind of send you down right to the next level okay. below. And at that point uh, that year, the guys didn't take hockey as serious, and for me, it was not something like I was serious about it. And so um, I decided to leave the team. It was just too much um, just for having fun, and it was not what I wanted. And someone was talking to me that they had a really good competitive girls team in Montreal. Uh, so I contacted people there, and um, 
it was like a two and a half hour drive for me to go play. Wow. And we were playing on Saturday night. And I remember our games, because we were women, they were like at 10.30, 11.30 at night. Um, really late so by the time if I had the late game around 11 uh, we didn't get out of there until 12 30 in the morning and by the time I came back in Quebec it was about like four o'clock in the morning um, but that was my only option and from there I got chosen on representing Quebec and um, we had a game on TV we played Ontario in the final I remember I think we got outshot like 40 to 10 and we end up losing only one nothing so I had a really good game and um, from that game my brother was playing midget AAA and I remember being sitting in the stand and um, one of the coach of the major junior team mentioned that he saw me playing um, and then he started talking about his team and naming some of the players on his team and I said oh I play against him I play with him I play on his team and he said, would you want to try and practice with us and see how you can handle uh, that level? And uh, as soon as he said that, the next day, I call, uh, my mom called school and told them I was not coming to school. And I drove an hour and a half to Trois-Rivières and, and went to practice with uh, uh, the team. And uh, I had a really good practice. And from them, he invited me to the major junior camp the following year. And you make that team. Then a major junior, uh, I didn't make the team, but I had a really good um, camp. So they kept me as a third goalie, and I play on a junior team that was close to Trois-Rivières. So that was like where I was practicing and playing. And when they needed a goalie to get uh, either someone was hurt, sick, I was the first goalie they were calling back. And that's when I played my first major junior game, uh, one game that one goalie was hurt. And... Uh, I remember we were up 5-1, to one, and the team started scoring 5-2, 5-3, 5-4, and as soon as it went to 5-5, five, five, the coach turned by me and said, you're going in. And it was really cool because <laughs> that moment, I always going to appreciate what Gaston Drapeau did. Um, that moment, he didn't think about I was sending a female on the ice. It was like he needed a change of momentum in the game, and he just sent me on the ice. and. Um, it was just, that's when everything started. Uh, everybody started talking about what I was doing, playing at a higher level. First time ever female played major junior in Quebec. When that, when that starts, I'm almost kind of curious because you said, you know, there were certain things that, uh, you know, you, you would assume that, that girls like to do as opposed to what boys would like to do. How did your girlfriends react to, you know, Manoa's playing is playing hockey and you know we're you know you know I, now I'm going to sound sexist but they're doing maybe things hockey's the furthest thing from their mind they might enjoy watching it but you're actually playing was there a little bit of a, a did you find that some of your girlfriends just quite didn't understand what you were doing um you know I didn't have like a big huge group of girlfriends growing up when I was young because I was playing sports so right. I was playing hockey in the winter and competing in alpine ski because we came from a, a ski area. Mm -hmm. um, and also playing baseball in the summer with my brothers so in a, on a team. So between baseball in the summer and ski and hockey in the winter and following my brothers. And I remember spending seven days a week at the rink. If it was wow. not me playing, that was one of us. And we were very close. We were going to each other's game. We were supporting each other. So I spent more time with my 
hockey friends, which was guys, <laughs> than um, having girlfriend and do things. I was never available for anything, so I think people stopped inviting me to things. <laughs> she's not able to come. She's playing hockey. So, um, so it, it was just like something I decided to do. I love all the girly stuff. Um, I remember my... My mom and my grandma, it was really important that I stay feminine and everything. And um, they used, to, my grandma used to knit me um, a sweater and a hat to match the hockey team hockey jacket because it was so masculine, the yeah, hockey right. jacket. So I had my cute little sweater and hat on while the boys had their guys' hockey jacket. So it was always important for them that I stay very, that I stay. A girl, even if I was playing with the boys, and it was important to me too. Did you miss out on some things, maybe in school, or I don't know, like the the school dances, or you know, I'm not sure. You know, in in Canada, I know it's like grade twelve, grade thirteen, with you know proms and things like that. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, we all know. I, everyone knows what you look like, so I mean, I've, I would say that. You know, did you have a you know opposing players? You know, make, you make a save on them and then say, "Hey, are you available to go out for <laughs> for a burger after the game?" I mean, how, that whole dynamic. How was that for you? Of course, I miss out on a lot of things, but I think it's the same for any. You talk to any NHL players, any person that play a sports, a figure <laughs> skater, or whatever. If you're in a very competitive sports and that's something you really like, the time you put into it. Um, you miss out on things, and that's the choice you make, and that's the reason why some people make it at a higher level versus other people that they just play to play. And it's not that I was aspiring to play anywhere. I never saw a female playing in the NHL. Um, back then, I didn't hear anything about women's hockey. It's not until um, after that year that I played with women, I think I was around 15, 16 years old, that I heard about uh, Team Canada versus Team USA. They had a world championship, and that's truly what um, made me really push and continue to train and want to be at the highest level. I wanted to play for Team Canada, I, and I was hearing the rumors that maybe the uh, women's hockey would be at the Olympics one day, and so I said, I need to continue to play. I want to be part of that. When when it starts to take off for you, when you become the first woman to play in, in Quebec junior hockey, uh, how did your life change? What what were were you being besieged by for for interviews, or did teams want you, or was there more of a backlash where they said, well, you know, she's just doing it because, you know, the times they're changing and she you know she's capitalizing on, uh, you know, on her femininity or her sex. You know, I I always played because I love the game. I never once. Um, decide to go to a camp or go somewhere for anything else than the love of the game and want to be at the higher level. And truthfully, I want to be part of the Olympics. So for me, if I played the highest level with men, that was giving me a better chance. If I had a chance to skate every day or, or make a living playing hockey, that was giving me a better chance to make it to the next level. So um, it, it was not always easy. Obviously, when I played junior, I had to take a loan to go in Trois-Rivières to be able to um, to go to school there and play there because I was not playing major junior, so mm -hmm. everything was not taken care of and paid for. And my parents, you know, they they were amazing, um, but they you know they didn't have 
the money to just say, oh, we'll pay for everything. I had to be part of it. I was working in the summer. Um, I took loan going that year. So how did it change my life after that first game? I know I had a few um, little engagement that was able, uh, allowed me to pay back all my loan mm -hmm. right away, which was great. Um, and after that, I, after that major junior year, I thought I was done um, playing hockey because next is going to the NHL. <laughs> and right. Of course, I didn't expect uh, that would be my next step. So um, I was planning to go to school, uh, university, and be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so in the summer, for a summer job, I, after playing uh, in Trois-Rivières Major Junior, I was uh, fortunate enough to get a job with RDS, which was a TV station, mm -hmm. um, and just learning about this, uh, the media and things like that. So it was really basic, like m mostly running around and, and just learning about the whole, um, the whole TV side of it. So in my first assignment was the NHL draft because it was in Montreal. So I was there with RDS and I was basically going and get the players that they want interviews and, and just be there and help out around. And when I was at the draft, uh, one of the scouts from the Tampa Bay Lightning saw me. Um, he was living in Quebec. He was aware of what I did. He had sent a video of me playing to Phil Esposito and not telling him I was a girl. Um, and then uh, he introduced me to him that day at the draft, and I was sitting with him in the stand, and he looked at me, and he's like, how do you feel about coming to training camp? And I thought he was joking, and I mm -hmm. said, are you serious? And he said, listen, I'm sending you um, a letter of invite. You have two weeks to respond if you want to come. And I still thought he was just joking. <laughs> and sure enough, I got the letter in the mail, which my parents still have to this day, uh, inviting me to go to Tampa Bay, and then my life changed. When it changes, what was it like to, you know, be in an NHL camp, a training camp? I mean, you know, it, at that point, I can just imagine. I mean, because, you know, before, before we began this, I said, I, I think I know you because you've been in the spotlight for so long. Now... This is when the spotlight, I guess, gets searing hot. I mean, it's glaring on you. What was that whole experience like? First, making the decision to go was um, it was a big decision because a lot of people said to me, are you not afraid to look bad? And that's crazy. You don't even have the experience. You have not played a full year, a major junior. and um, But I remember when I was younger, a lot of people said no to me because I was a girl. And I said, if this time someone invite me for that reason, um, I'm going to take the opportunity. I didn't want to live my life with regret and said, what if I right. would have gone? And um, I told myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? That I have a really bad camp and, you know, they send me home. At least I tried it. And I wanted to push myself at the highest I could play. So it was the highest I could play. Um, and I remember going there that first day and everything was going wrong because my mom was flying with me. They wanted to make sure they, they knew it's going to be crazy there. They wanted to make sure, I, and I, my English was not very good mm -hmm. back then, um, that I had some kind of support there. So uh, my mom was with me and I remember getting to uh, Tampa Bay. They didn't have my luggage, neither my hockey gear or my luggage. Oh, wow. It didn't start very well. So, um, and then the first night we had meetings and I remember walking into the 
to the room and sitting in the back and I saw a couple of French players so I went and sat with them and um, Phil started the meeting and said everybody in the back row can you come and sit in the front row and I had to walk through everyone and go in the front row wow. and that's I think that's the only time in the entire camp that I was scared I walked through the front row my heart was beating I was looking around Every guy was looking at me, and everybody was so big. And I was thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Why did I say yes to this? And I went and sit in front, um, and we went through the meeting, and then I'm panicking because we start the next day with testing. I don't have any uh, workout clothes. And just before I left, um, I had a, sm a small uh, deal with Reebok. They gave me a bunch of, like, working clothes, working out clothes and running shoe and so I had nothing and then we had a first session in the afternoon on the ice and mm -hmm. I'm like I need my gear mm -hmm. so I go and tell Phil my stuff is still not there I said no problem go see my daughter she's working out the PR and she has clothes and you can just borrow some clothes and I remember going to her room and her daughter was like tiny little thing like mm -hmm. way smaller than me so she pulled a pair of jean shorts, which is absolutely <laughs> embarrassing to even walk in with a pair of jean shorts when you're going to go do fitness testing. And I put them on me, and they're so skin tight, but that's all I can wear. I don't have running shoes. I have my dress shoes on. And then she, uh, Tampa Bay had made a bunch of T-shirts that says, Real Men Wear Black. Mm -hmm. That's all she has for T-shirts. So I'm wearing the Real Men wear black t-shirt, jean shorts, and my dress shoes going to the fitness testing. I'm so embarrassed at this point. And every time I get there and the player introduce himself, I'm said, they lost my luggage. This is not my fault <laughs> if I'm dressed like this. I'm not crazy. <laughs> um, but then finally my stuff got in just before I had to do all the, uh, the testing and I was able to change in my clothes and I start feeling like, okay, things are turning around now. <laughs> Good news. Um, and then I had my first session on the ice that first day and that's really what changed the whole um, view of a lot of people. Uh, that was my first time I stepped on the ice. We, we didn't have a practice. They divided the teams in four teams and um, everybody had two goaltenders in each team, and they play, we played a mini tournament. So it was a two-period game. Each goalie was playing a full period of 20 minutes, stop time. And uh, then you move on to the next game and the next game. So that was a mini tournament. So my first time on the ice, um, I remember they told me, well done, Young's going to start so I can see the play and mm -hmm. everything. So I'm sitting there on the bench, and I'm watching how fast it is compared to what I played before. That was my first time on the ice with uh, that level of play. Um, and after the first period, we were up two to one and um, our team. So the next period, that was my turn to go on the ice. And uh, apparently talking to some French player on the other team after everybody was kind of like, okay, the girl's coming in. Now we're going to win this game. And I went on the ice, and I did not allow any goal in my period. I had 14 shots, no goals. We end up winning five to one that game, and that's truly what helped me um, gain, uh, gaining respect of the boys um, there. And they realize, okay, you know, she can stop the puck. She may have not had all the experience right. in the world. She may got invited because she's a girl, but she just beat us right now. And uh, 
After that mini tournament, I finished with the third best average goals against and save percentage of all the goalies there. So it was, uh, to me, that was kind of a hard thing that everybody was talking about, oh, she's just a publicist on, and this is why she's there, this is why she got uh, asked to play in an exhibition game, and nobody talked about like the actual Your performance. Your performance, right, yeah. And um, it, it's cool because it's 20 years later, um, Terry Crisp, which he was a coach back then, mm -hmm. he was totally against having a girl there. Like he was really upset with Phil. He didn't want me to play um, in, the, in the game either. And 20 years later, he's on radio in Nashville. Mm -hmm. He does an interview with me. He admitted that he was not for it. And he said to me, but you know what? She deserved it. She had the third best average of all the goalies. And it was so cool to hear that from him, like 20 years later. Right, I didn't right. care it was 20 years later because I heard so many times she was just there because she was a girl. Right. And so you're proving yourself. You know, you're in the beginning, I love the story, you're walking down and you see professional hockey players who are all big men in shape. Uh, but it sounds, you know, maybe Crispy didn't, uh, you know, wasn't there. But it, it, from that performance, did you start to gain respect or was it already there with your teammates? Oh, I think that game was like when I truly started gaining respect of everyone. Not that they were disrespecting, but like anything else, like why her and not someone else. Right, they're you know probably I mean? just like, a little leery yeah, of the whole Of course, thing. Yeah. yeah, always in dealing with the media every day. And But I was telling myself, people didn't realize the pressure I was under. Not only, I had to prove myself, like I'm the one every single day that had to face those shots. And the shoulder pads and chest protector that I was wearing was the same than when I played peewee, because I didn't grow that much more. Right. I had bruise all over my body. They had to add like padding to my shoulder pads every single day just to make it more protective. And I had to face those shots every day. For the Tampa Bay Lightning's sake and for myself, I had to perform too. People didn't realize that. Like I didn't just take on this and said, I'm going to go play and it's not going to be a big deal. I was the one who had to perform on the ice, no matter what reason they invite me. Um, and I think after that day, Right after that game, I remember Phil Esposito telling me, you have to hurry up, we have a press conference, and I'm sitting there, and it's during that press conference after that first game that he said, the way she played today, don't be surprised to see her in an exhibition game. And I looked back at him, and I thought he was crazy. I thought I would be there just for a week and be you know, caught after the first week when all the young guys get caught and go back. And... Uh, and I couldn't believe what he said. And then I'm thinking to myself, if I go to a game, I don't even have clothes. Guys are wear suit and tie. I didn't plan to play in an exhibition right, game. Right. I don't even have clothes to wear <laughs> to go to a game. Um, and after when they told me I was playing a game, uh, actually, Phyllis Posto's daughter took me shopping so I can go get an outfit that would work with the guys wore, you know, wearing their suit and ties. So it was a really interesting um, training camp when when you know you talk about phil and he's kind of a character as we know great hockey player in his own right uh 
besides obviously your parents who sound like they were always there for you and, and watched out for you and certainly your brothers yeah I know your family's close as you said uh, do you think it took somebody like Phil Esposito to 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 be in your corner someone who in his own right was kind of larger than life and was in an area where they didn't really know maybe hockey all that well in Florida at that time although you know the the Lightning today are by far the best team in the league, and I'm just kind of curious that you know it kind of it couldn't have worked out better to have somebody like him be the guy who was kind of orchestrating all of this for you. Absolutely, and we stayed in contact years later in different um, ways. And without someone like him, or without someone like Gaston Drapeau and Major Junior that mm -hmm. turned around by me and really sent me on the ice for the purpose of changing the game around, or a coach like Pierre Brindamour when I was Bantam that says, everybody say no to her to play double A. She's the boss out there. I will pick her on my team. Uh, those are all the people that put aside the fact that I was a female and um, give me a chance. When, you know, with Phil, his brother, obviously, Tony, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself, but he was a great goaltender with the Blackhawks forever. Yep. Did Phil ever say you got to talk to Tony, or did you ever have any kind of relationship? <laughs> you with know him? what? Uh, I talking to Phil and listening to him in interviews after and reading his book and all that stuff. He didn't have a lot of supporter with having <laughs> me there, and you know, I give him even more credit to have done that right. um, because he didn't have a lot of supporter. It's not like he had everybody said, "Yes, that's a great idea. You should do it." Um, but then, after I play a period of hockey there, and which was probably the most nerve-wracking moment, the moment that I left my locker room to the ice, mm -hmm. that walk, I remember my heart was beating out of my chest and thinking like I never been so nervous in my life. But the coolest thing is when I stepped on the ice, like all the butterfly went away and I was in the place that I loved the most, being on the ice. And I forgot that I was wearing an NHL jersey. I forgot all the people in the stand mm -hmm. and I just I was just playing hockey. Um, and it was the coolest sensation to be so nervous and to be so comfortable to be on the ice after that. Um, and after that performance, I, you know, it was a 2-2 game. Within like a minute into the game, uh, we got a penalty. So they got a power play right away, three or four shot right away that the game started. I had, I know I saved a two-on-one. Um, I made some key saves that first period. In the period finish, it was 1-1. I knew that I, and the best the best comment of Phil was, I had a sense of relief when she did that because he had so many people that told him, don't do that, you're going to embarrass the team, you're going to embarrass yourself, um, and he did it anyway. And after that period, like I know that I played not just for myself but for him giving me a chance to do that. Wow, that's, a, that's, a, that's really a, a great story. It really truly is. It just shows how... You know, when people are bonding together and, you know, he believed in you, you obviously believed in yourself and you went out there and I just love it. And I think that this is the one thing that maybe the everyday fan forgets is that if you don't have a love or passion for that sport, you're never going to hit the ice. And 
as nervous as you were because let's face it all the cameras and everything are on you and here you are you're going to be the first woman to play in an NHL game I don't care if it's a preseason game or not but you hit that ice and boy you're back in the world that you love which is which is really great and you know for Phil to give you I don't know that opportunity or to have that belief in you even though he was relieved that you could play well <laughs> um, that, that that's absolutely tremendous what was that like that media storm because as I said and I know I'm bringing it up again but everybody who is a hockey fan thinks they know you because you were so so front and center. Did it get old? Was there? I know you said there was a lot of pressure on you. Did you enjoy that spotlight? Did you have to hire agents and people that wanted you to do TV shows like the Beachcombers or something like that? I mean, hey, I grew up in Detroit. I watched that show. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, all, all of that. I mean, then does not that hockey become secondary in your life? But it almost becomes secondary because you're such a celebrity at that point. Actually, it was overwhelming. Like I was, it was crazy. It was a lot. Um, I would, the reason I went there, it's to push myself to the highest level and to give me a chance to continue to play hockey and be able to hopefully make it to the Olympics. So that was the reason. So having all those media, it was absolutely crazy, overwhelming, a lot at some point. And it was hard for me because I wanted to be treated like another player. So if someone was coming up and we want to do an interview and, oh, we want to do a shot on the ice while practice is happening, I didn't want that to happen because mm -hmm. I didn't want to disturb the practice. Sure. Um, if someone like a, a company starter was coming, I want to do a commercial with you and we, can you please send sweatshirt for everyone on the team because I, I didn't want to be, it was, <laughs> I was already, stand out on the team because I speak French, I was a rookie, and I was a girl. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have more things that put, set me apart of everybody right. else. Um, so I always try to do things, but kind of away from the team. And if someone was like, wanted to give me something, I was always wanted them to also give something to the team because I wanted to be accepted and not having people looking at me like um oh look at her like she's getting everything she's getting which actually you look at every team you always have a few players oh, yeah, that right. does that but for me i didn't want to be i would just want to be another player mm -hmm. and it was really really important that i was treated like feel that i was treated that way you know, I, I, we want to jump around because we only have you for limited time and, and i want to get into the life after hockey but what's kind of some the whole, per, because after you played in the, the old IHL, uh, I don't know what your connection to Michigan is, except <laughs> you played for a couple of the IHL Michigan teams in Flint and I believe Port Huron, but uh, when you look back at it now, and do you just think, God, what the heck was I thinking? It was such a, I had to go through so much to get there, or this is the best thing. Do you consider yourself to be, uh, you know, should you be on a postage stamp in Canada or something as being a trailblazer? Because really, you truly were. If it, you know, you were the first, you know, I never thought about a woman playing hockey or professional hockey or, my gosh, playing in the NHL. You changed all that. Actually, if I look back at everything that I did, 
I now today realize how big of a deal it was. I think when I went there, I didn't have a clue that my story would inspire people like it did. Um, when I have parents coming up to me that says, you know, you're an inspiration for my daughter or even my son, and um, I, my son's got a poster of you on his wall, or my daughter did a project on you at school, or even adult. Uh, I did uh, some speaking engagement and some women and even men came up to me and they said, your story inspired me. And to me, it's truly the most satisfying thing of what I did. Um, and having a chance to make a living in the sports that I love the most. So uh, it was it was amazing. And that's why today I am so happy to be able to give back uh, by being involved with youth hockey here in Michigan with the Little Caesar and, and uh, Detroit Red Wings, um, to be able to be part of some young girl's journey and to help them with all the lessons that I learned over the years um, for them to to use that and um, teach them what I learned from hockey. You know, I, I hate, I, I very rarely ask this type of question, but because I think they're kind of corny, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could sum it up, is it, we, we, when we think of Manel Rayom and, and your professional career as a hockey player, if you had to sum it up, is it perseverance? Is it passion? Is it love? How, how would you want people to, when they think of you, the one word that just comes, comes to mind? Because I'll tell you the word that comes to mind for me is trailblazer. But I always love that word. But, uh, I, you know, because there's just, it's so complex. There's so much that went into it to make you who you are. I think it, it, for sure the passion of the game, without loving the game as much as I did, I would have never made it to that level. But I would say perseverance. Um, I, so many people said no to me. I went through ups and downs over my career. Um, every time I played, I had the spotlight on me. Uh, if I played with the national team, I was like, oh, she's a girl that played pro hockey. She has to be perfect there. And so the pressure was always there. But that's the reason why you want to play goalie. If you cannot handle the pressure, don't pick that position. So that was something that I really like uh, to be under pressure. Um, and that pressure was helping me perform better. And But it's not having stopped when someone said no to me. And I think that that's the biggest thing. Uh, if I do speaking engagement, I talk to people. Um, a lot of people hear no in their life, and I'm not the only one. And it doesn't have to be in sports. It can be in your, in your profession. Or, and a lot of people give up when they hear no mm -hmm. too often. And I heard no a lot in my life, and I got cut from team. And, and I always use the failure as a way to make myself better. And I would say that's probably my biggest strength. That's probably why I made it to where I made it, because every time that I fell, um, instead of letting me down, it helped me to be better. You know, it opened up all kinds of doors for you, obviously. I just talked about the Beachcombers, which is just such a great, <laughs> such a great, I love Canadian TV. I love Channel 9 in winter. I really do. Uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, it does open up doors for you, but one thing that I thought was interesting, you got into designing hockey equipment for women, which kind of makes sense because I guess we don't, men don't think about that so much. And you just, you know, you, when you were talking about being just covered in bruises, uh, 
how important was that for you to make sure, okay, I did it first, but I've got to lay a pathway where it's maybe easier for the next ones coming up. And was part of that why you wanted to get into designing hockey equipment? Yeah, because I, I work at Mission Hockey, and I remember that's something they wanted to do to get into the woman's side of the game. And for me, the reason I was still playing with the same shoulder peasant when I was peewee, I didn't really grew that much, but right. the shot was getting harder. And if you wanted to get into more protective equipment, it was too big for me. I couldn't move. I, it, it was too long, too big. It didn't fit. And back then, uh, when I started, I didn't have someone to make me a specific shoulder pad just for me. You go to the store, you buy your thing, and <laughs> you deal with it. Actually, it's my dad. I remember before going to Tampa, the only thing he did to my chest protector, he bought two pieces of plastic to put in the front and taped it with large tape. And um, he kind of like tried to protect me as much as I could with it. So uh, I knew that it had, it was important if women's hockey is gonna get bigger to have equipment that fit us. One, for protection, and two, for performance. Just skate, um, a lot of girls doesn't fit in senior skate, they're more like junior mm -hmm. skate, but if you skate a lot and you're a really good skater and a good athlete, you need uh, the skate to be stiffer and more like meant for a senior, um, all the things you need for a better skate, and we couldn't get that if you had two smaller feet. So uh, just different things like this. So it was really interesting to me. Like even my goalie glove, I have a small hand, but I need as much protection. Right. So my size hand was always junior gloves. Um, so it was really cool to be part of helping the company to make more of it. Let's. Uh, we're really going to kind of jump ahead here, but I want to ask you one question. I'm watching the World Junior Championships on TV, and you know you're uh, you're photogenic to say the least. And they kept camera kept coming back to you, and they said, "Well, you know, her son Dylan St. Cyr is playing, uh, you know, is playing TV or on Team USA along with uh, I don't know if it's Caden Primo and Keith Petrozelli who's a Red Wing draft pick, but you know they're all kind of together and all this." And they kept going back to you, and I'm thinking. You win a silver medal in the Olympics for Team Canada. You said you wanted to play for <laughs> Team Canada. I know it's your son and you love him to death, but is it difficult to have that USA jersey on when, you know, your heart bleeds the maple leaf? You know, uh, I think your children is more powerful than anything else. And I think that's one of the reasons probably the camera keep coming back because I had my USA hat, my USA <laughs> scarf, and you know, I, it's uh, it's amazing how much your children change your life. That's I say no to a lot of opportunity to do things, to be there for my both my boys and to be there in their uh, journey. That's the one thing I would say my parents never missed anything, and mm -hmm. uh, that's why I made it to where I made it. So. Uh, for me to be there in Slovakia and uh, when he won the gold medal with Team USA, it was like one of the most amazing moments, even more amazing than me winning a medal at the Olympics. Um, when your children achieve something like this, it's uh, it's amazing. Really, mother first, Canada second, maybe something like that, or country and, second. And you know what? I'm a citizen, and I'm a U.S. citizen now. So, <laughs> and I've been in U.S. as long as I've been in Canada. So it's kind of like my heart is split. <laughs> well, you know, my my joke it always has been until I was 13. I thought Ontario was like the 51st state. <laughs> you know, because it's I, I'm so comfortable there. I never felt. Other parts of Canada, I feel a little bit different, but Ontario is just like 
it is like the United States yeah. to me, and maybe I take it for granted. Um, now you're the manager of Little Caesars Girls Program. Uh, you're the uh, coach of the U12 and then the Junior Red Wings. Uh, you know, we each get older every day, and your career each day is a little bit further apart. Uh, do they realize who you are? I mean, do you do they know? Or are these girls so young? It's that uh, you know their parents obviously do, and maybe some older siblings. Uh, do you find that you're now in a period of uh, not that you know you never took advantage of probably your status? You know, you worked for everything you've got, but how is it now relating to really young girls who say, "Yeah, right, yeah, you played hockey because let's face it." It's evolved so much where it's so accepted that women play hockey now. Actually, it's more the parents know who I am and told our kids, and their kids go with online now. You can Google right, anybody right. and learn more about them. So, uh, yes, they know who I am, but uh, they see me every day, and I'm just their coach. And uh, it's more if we go play a tournament in Canada, and there it's different. Like, they know my team is coming. And, I would go in and another team, some of the coaches or the parents, they all have my hockey cards and they come up to me and ask me to sign their cards and then my the girls on my team looking, <laughs> what are they doing there? Because <laughs> they're so used to see me every day. So I think it's, it's uh, more strange when we go somewhere else and they see me um, having attention from other teams. You know, it, it, that's interesting because obviously in the United States, you know, hockey is a, is a big sport. I, it's not regional anymore. All you have to do is look at the roster of, of Team USA and the, the kids are from all over the United States now, which is good, which I think the development program, which your son Dylan was, was part of, uh, has really branched it out. I mean, it, it's actually done what it was supposed to do, make hockey, uh, uh, you know, from sea to shining sea in Hawaii and, you know, obviously Alaska. But I guess my point being is, is that when you, in Canada, where it is a religion, it's taken, and I don't mean this negatively, but it means something. It's part of the DNA. Yeah. Um, you know, is there an order of Canada? I mean, do you get, are you recognized, have you been officially recognized by the hockey world in Canada, the Canadian government, for what you really did? Because what you did, without you, who knows where it would be? Actually, in Quebec this year, uh, someone contacted me um, in a way to thank all the, um, the volunteer people that help at the big Quebec Pee Wee tournament they want to do. Um, two bronze um, statue in front of the Colisee to represent uh, youth hockey. And uh, myself and Sylvain Cote, we're two hockey players. Um, they're going to do that next year, which that was a big honor to be chosen to, to be part of the statue there. Um, but when I go in Canada, if in Toronto or in Quebec, especially in Quebec, Yes, people recognize me. Here in the U.S., it's different unless I'm in the hockey world. Right, I'm going right. to the Red Wings game with things like this. Um, I can just be a normal person <laughs> and walk around and go shopping, and I don't have everybody watching what I'm buying and things like this. So um, so you, you like that side, too, though? I mean, oh, absolutely. Like I, like, I like to be just a normal person. That's, <laughs> uh, it's so much easier sometimes. When I come home, I, I realize I don't know how some of those movie stars um, does it uh, to go everywhere and having every single one of their move like just watch and um, everything they do like 
having their picture taken everywhere and be in the next newspaper or magazine, uh, that would be very hard. You know, um, let's get a little bit of Little Caesars and then we'll wind it down. I think we're a little bit longer than I, than I promised you, which I knew probably was going to happen. Uh, coaching, you know, is that, is that the ultimate way to give back, is to, is to be a mentor to, uh, heck, just hockey players, whether they're, whether they're boys or girls? Absolutely. Um, to be, I think coaches are so, such a, an important person in kids' life um, because it's different than the parents. I, I hear often, I would say something to the girls and their mom and dad said, that's exactly what I tell them, but they don't want to listen to us. And it's always the same. So I think um, coaches can really help mentor uh, young people. And also, I love the game. And it's if you don't play anymore, being a coach also help you to continue to be part of the game and um, preparing yourself and being in a tournament and, and wanted to win the next game. So that competitiveness uh, as a player, obviously, um, when you coach, you still have that competitiveness and you can really help the young player dealing with all that pressure and um, giving them guidance. When I look at the Little Caesars, the Balfour Training Center, which is used by Little Caesars, the boys and the girls teams, very successful. Uh, I know the Red Wings practice there. I'm with that team all the time. <laughs> so I know I'm very familiar with the Balfour Training Center. Uh, and then I see all the youth hockey players there and the, you know, the baby blue and orange and that color. Now, I'm kind of shallow, I'll admit it. And so... If my son or daughter's considering playing for Little Caesars, and I'm already pretty impressed with the whole training facility at Belfort, and then I get a call from Manon Rayon who wants, <laughs> I mean, I'm hanging up the phone and saying, hey, I don't care where you want to go, this is where we're going because I just got a phone call from Manon Rayon. I mean, because you have to do a little bit of... Uh, of recruiting too, don't you? Actually, you know, that's the that's one thing with our girls program that we wanted to start. We know we're bringing on board great coaches and people that's got a, a different mentality. Like our goals on the girls program, it's to develop the girls. And it's the same on the boys' side, but we want to develop the girls. We, um, we, don't, we don't want to lose um, winning at all costs if we don't develop kids it's not our goal. Right. We want to develop kids first. We want to put kids in D1 college. And to do that, you really have to focus on the development of the skills and believe in um, keeping the puck in their sticks and, and not starting to play some kind of system just to win games. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to get better just by winning games. You mm -hmm. really have to develop those skills. And it's our mentality. And I think that we've proven in the last few years by doing this, we end up winning games. Um, but having more the development side of it in mind allow you to win games, but also allow you put, to put those kids at the next level. And um, we established that now in the last few years. And I think people come and want to play for that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's important to us, having good family, good kids, and giving them the best opportunity to make it to the next level. Well, you know, I know you're doing a wonderful job. And it is Gender Equity Month, the NHL celebrating Gender Equity Month. If it isn't for you, is there a Gender Equity Month? And what does it mean to have the league recognize 
gender equity, that we're all kind of in this together. I, I think it's, it's amazing. Every time people are um, doing something, I'm not the only person, I think, that break barriers as a female, but I think it's important that to recognize that often we are like we're doing as great as a job that a man can do. If if you can do the same job as well as the other person, um, you have to be equal there. Uh, it doesn't matter if you, it's a male or female. If that person can do the same job without having any um, and having the same term too, because often like people want to get to the same place, but. Um, you cannot just pick and choose what you want to be equal. I think everybody, both sides, has to have the same uh, term and be equal in the same way. When you, uh, when you look at it and from that aspect, from where you were as a young lady to where women's hockey is today, uh, I know we've made strides, but there's still probably some ways to go. I remember talking to a couple of young ladies from Team USA when they played the series against Team Canada at, uh, at Little Caesars Arena, and they still said that there was some great female teams or girls teams that they could play on, but they still had to kind of play with boys. Do you think that that's always going to be the norm, or do you think that eventually, uh, just as the sport grows, there'll be more and more opportunities for girls to play, I guess, on girls' teams and show what they can do? Or do you think that you'd rather see it? I don't, I like boys and girls playing together on the same team. Doesn't matter to me if, you know, uh, you know give me uh, the, the 20 that we're dressing. Uh, if six of them are girls, that's cool. Or if, you know, whatever, 10 and 10. Uh, how, where do you hope it goes, I think? Actually, it I think it came a long way. Um, when I started to be the only one playing to now, you can start playing hockey at a young age and just play with girls. And even from years ago where if you were a better player as a young girl, you had to play with the boys. But now today we have as a lot of good teams out there that you can actually play with girls and continue to develop without uh, playing with the boys. So um, I think had the, as much as if, D1 college hockey girls continue to improve and improve and more talents coming in, you know, that WNHL uh, will have more team and they'll be like strong enough for all those athletes get, that go play on the national team to come back and train with the girls. It's just more players right. you have, better quality of players you'll have. Mino Rayom, thank you for joining us on the Red and White Authority. I kept it a little bit longer than, uh, than I said. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I should just say thank you just on behalf of hockey fans for, for what you have done for this game because you have truly uh, inspired a lot of people, whether they be uh, girls or boys, men and women, and in at least two countries, if not all over the world. So uh, uh, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the uh, uh, Little Caesars program. And uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me.